1: Hello and welcome to the Raptors Weekly Podcast for the week of March 5th. I'm your host, William Liu. I'm joined this week on the podcast by a very special guest, um, joined by Sirat Zoe, who is of pretty much basketball fame. Like, you've written everywhere. I, I don't know if that's too much of a, if I'm gassing up too much, but like everywhere from ESPN to Bleacher Report to, you know, sided, like Rolling Stone. Just everywhere. Welcome to the Keep park it going. Road. Keep it going.
2: Oh, yeah, that's, no. oh, that's right. That's, that's just, not I'm even all kidding.
1: of it. Me,
3: <laughs> Vice. No, I'm just kidding. Just life of, life of a freelancer.
1: <laughs> yes. One of the best freelancers, though, out there.
3: Thank you. I uh, if there's
1: that. any employers listening. Oh, and The Athletic. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, you're now based in Toronto.
3: Yes. yes. You're at just a lot of
1: these Raptors games.
3: Yeah, for the most part, I wasn't at tonight's game, but for the most part, I'm usually usually at the Raptors games. I just moved from from Edmonton in October, so it's it's been fun. I've, I'm starting to I'm starting to adjust and you know find my routine, but I find that every time I say that it changes somehow. So I guess I shouldn't jinx it.
1: Yeah, that's tough. Um, what's the What's the difference in rent like, just out of curiosity, between oh my Edmonton God. and Toronto?
3: Well, I lived at home, like, I lived with my parents in Edmonton. Like, I just went to school. Like, I'm born and raised in Edmonton, and I just stayed there for school. And U of A is a commuter school, like, I don't think that many people really stay on campus. It was like a 20 minute, 20 minute commute, so I just stayed at home. So the difference in rent between living with your parents and living in Toronto is, yes, it's substantial. Um, but yeah, even so, I mean, Edmonton, if I wasn't to live there by myself, it would, uh, it would have been tough. It would have been it would have been tough to uh to adjust after after uh experiencing that, that Edmonton rent.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I got used to like the Hamilton rent and like that was that was so nice. I was like uh rent moved up to four <laughs> hundred
3: and thirty dollars. <now>, no.
1: <laughs> Man.
3: However did you survive? <laughs>
1: I know. I was so spoiled. Um, <laughs> anyway, um you wrote one of you wrote a great piece. Was it this week? I, I wasn't sure because I only saw like twenty-five tweets about it on the timeline. Um, only
3: twenty-five?
1: Yeah, there was there was a lot. There's a lot, but it was you know it was it was rightfully there. Maybe it was the algorithms or something. But um, you wrote a piece for SB Nation uh, for your weekly column, the Tip Off. Is that correct?
2: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Um, where the headline was the Raptors trusted Dwayne Casey to remake his team without rebuilding it. Um, it's a it's a it's a great piece. Everyone should go check it out. It's it's pretty much giving Dwayne Casey credit um, for an amazing job done. But um, how about you? Just tell me about the piece and, and sort of what you've seen out of Dwayne Casey this season.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it's kind of hard to remove the the piece itself from and what Dwayne Casey has done from what the Raptors have done as an organization because. To me, the whole thing kind of comes down to, to patience and, and Casey has had great patience with, with this bench and with, even with the starters, with his stars as far as allowing them to, to develop and work through all of these mistakes that we've seen, especially in the early season, as far as, especially, you know, with, with, uh, with DeMar. And him adjusting his game to, to being more of a playmaker, whereas Lowry was kind of just in and out of the picture a little bit. He was just having a hard time finding his rhythm. Then you can take it down to the bench. A guy like Siakam, the way he's able to make plays now, and Ewan is hitting threes, things like that. Like, I was, so I was just trying to get the, the idea is basically like, it, there's a level of catharsis going on, and it's, I don't think the organization would, would call it that because it's it's only March and they have so much time left in the season, but we're we're seeing all these things come to fruit because the organization was a patient with Casey. They had so many opportunities where I think other franchises would have let him go just because it that seemed like the mood and it seemed like it seemed like the logical step in the way that these narratives tend to go. But they just kind of thought that they had the right guy and that it kind of just goes down to to, to the way that Casey has been with the roster.
1: Yeah, Um, I I feel like, you know, Dwayne Casey has been on the hot seat for, like, at least two, three times. Like, definitely after 2015 when they got swept. Uh, And then last summer, I feel like he was on the hot seat again, especially after, um, you know, especially after Masai talked about, you know, resetting the culture and stuff like that. It sounded like, it sounded very ominous, to be honest, right? It sounded like they were going to change things. And, you know, slowly when they brought back all the players... Um, it and they kept the coach. It was like, how are they gonna do this? But, um, that left me skeptical. But I think actually, um, something that your piece brought up, uh, it was a quote from Demar who said, you know, when you have a coach that puts that trust into you, just out of respect as a man, as a human being, you want to give the utmost back to him. Um, and I feel like, you know, the fact that they had this trust between, you know, you know, Casey and Demar, Casey and Lowry, it. it it's kind of there isn't a better guy to make those players change their games than someone who already has that much trust banked into them
3: yeah yeah absolutely and that was actually that was unfortunately one of those things where you know when you're you're writing a piece sometimes and like the deadlines coming up on you and that idea comes to you like that kind of came to me a little bit later and then it, it it felt if i had more time i think that that is a theme would have been more more part of uh of what what it was, but, yeah, it definitely did strike me as like just talking to, to to these guys that, yeah, maybe this is actually who you needed. Maybe the move when you want to change a bunch of things with your team isn't to just bring in some stranger that that you know the players have only met on like a a a, hit, a high buy basis. Like maybe it should be the guy that has been in the trenches with you, especially especially for Demar because he was there as 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 a younger guy with the team. I think with Lowry, it's it, – with Lowry, actually, too. I mean, I was I was about to say it's maybe more so with DeMar, but Lowry's a guy who's notoriously had trust issues for his entire career, really. And I think t- to ask him to, to change his game and not have a guy that really, really knows him, like, I just don't think that would have worked.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, like, you know, like, these were substantial changes that they were making these, like, players do. Like, DeMar, like – telling him to stop taking long twos and, like, try to take more threes and be more of a playmaker, like, that just hasn't really been his game. And I feel like with Casey, at least with, the, with, with Casey, like, he's been through all these trenches, like you said, and, like, they've all sort of had this been tripped up by the same thing. So when he comes to them and says, look, man, like, we just have to, let's do something new, let's, like, change what we have and make it better, like, it's it's easier to receive that message from him.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I mean, Damar wasn't just a guy whose game was predicated on, on those mid-range jumpers and, and posting up and isolations and stuff. It was actually, it was, it was more than that for him. It was like almost an identity. Like it was like he was trying to be a little bit countercultural and say, no, I can do this just to prove everybody wrong. So it was more than just this is what he's good at. It was really part of how he, how he understood himself. Mm-hmm. And the other thing to your point, like talking about how when you were, when you heard the culture reset comments and then everything was kind of the same, honestly, to me, to, to be honest with you, I kind of assumed that they had failed in the off season, what they wanted to do. So they were kind of just bringing it back and be like, ha Yeah, we're still going to do this. And it was more like it to me, it, it, I read it as, as Messiah making a mandate and, and realizing that he wasn't going to be able to execute. But then, you know, this past, past little while, especially just being around the team and, and, and talking to, uh, to, to Bobby Webster about the process by which they, they came to their conclusions. Now I kind of realized, no, it's actually kind of, that was probably their their intentions from the start was to keep everybody.
1: Yeah, that's true. And look, they mean, it's it's tough to, like, rebuild from the position that they were at anyway, right? Like, they, they didn't have that many picks coming up. Um, it wasn't like they were going to create all this, like, cap flexibility. And, like, while, you know, you had all these young players you wanted to see more out of, like, you could see them within a, a, a role. And, like, I don't think anyone's um, – in terms of Raptors fans, I don't think anyone's dissatisfied with the young guys in terms of how they've grown, except for Norman Powell, which is just, just endlessly depressing to the point where, like, I, I, I can't even talk about him anymore. It's, it's – oh, Norm. Oh, Norm.
3: <laughs> it is really sad. It's I feel like it's just been zapped out of him somehow.
1: Yeah, yeah, he looks zapped for sure. Um, and, um, yeah, but, I mean, like, this is the thing with Casey is that, like, there were uh, – a lot of things about him that people thought were truths, um, but he's like managed to change those and like sort of shatter expectations of him. Like one of the things that used to be said against Casey was that he doesn't play the young guys, and and now you you know and another great quote in your piece when he when Casey says you know we have a young team, seven or eight guys, and we're trying to win at the same time. And if you're developing and winning, uh, if you're developing and winning is not the top priority of the season, then okay. But for us, uh, it's always been to try to win at the same time, which is tough to do. And like he's, it is a really tough thing to do, and he's really kept everything together. Like without strong coaching, I don't know if the young bench could be as successful as they are.
3: No, absolutely not. And like, you know what? The t- to to the organization's credit, he also got a mandate for them that said, "Hey, like let's this is what we're gonna do." And obviously, they I'm sure they're happy with with how much they're winning, and they would have that was that was hopefully what they were envisioning in the first place, but. At the same time, they were saying, "Hey, this is what we're gonna do, and if we lose a couple extra games, that's not what it's about." It makes it a lot easier to play your younger guys when you know that that's that's gonna be allowed, and they're gonna they're gonna see that.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I guess the final question with that is that, like, in terms of coach of the year, do you think doing Casey, or where would you have doing Casey in your coach of the year rankings?
3: I don't know. I mean, it's kind of it, it, it's tough. It's a weird year for coach of the year because. I mean, Pop is a perennial candidate, but with all this stuff that's happening with Kawhi, the Spurs are just in a situation that they've never really been in before. So it's really hard to give it to him. Steve Kerr, another guy who should really perennially be a candidate, has basically admitted that he's lost his team. To me, it's really... I mean, now with Portland playing so well, although that, that race is really tight between like pretty much from third to eighth in the, in the West, Portland was eighth as of uh before prior to the game starting today but so maybe you put stocks in there but to me it's really a race between Stevens and and Casey and it's a very interesting uh, juxtaposition actually because you've got one guy who took this almost entirely new roster and we and and reworked it and found a way to get everybody cohesive especially on the defensive end which is very very hard to do as early in the season as they did it mmm versus Dwayne Casey, who's in the opposite boat where he was given the exact same team and he was told that he needs to like he needs to change the team. It's like it's opposite but very impressive situations. And I don't really know who <laughs> like I, I get it's probably gonna go to whoever gets the one seat. I don't I I I can't think of too many arguments against Stevens. A lot, a lot for both of them it's there's a four argument. And I'd also you might even say that there's there's an argument going against Casey in the sense that everybody has improved so much that I mean do you just really just give it to the coach and like he's definitely he's definitely been the one that that has executed a lot of this stuff but I mean everybody bought in and it was like as an organization they bought in so that could almost be seen as as an indictment of his case I don't really know that I'd I mean, I did just make that argument, but I don't know if I necessarily believe it, but I I think it's a fair argument.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, it is weird, though, because, like, um, with the way the Boston media is, it's like um, all these players are all, like, supposedly trash, and then, like, Brad Stevens is, like, coaching them up to be this, like, incredible team. But at the same time, it's like these players are all so great, and we can't trade the Anthony Davis. And also, like these players are great because Danny Ainge got them. It's like always like too yeah. much credit that doesn't like add up. But no, I mean Stevens has done a great job for
3: sure. I mean, yeah, I mean we don't have to get into the Boston media
1: level. Of this
3: thing. We don't have to drag everything down to that. It's
2: you easy Target. <laughs> yeah.
3: But I mean, yeah, I mean, my two cents with that is honestly, I think that I think that roster is overperforming. I think we're gonna see mm-hmm. it. We're gonna see it slide back, and in some ways, especially defensively, we already have. But I mean yeah, like they are definitely overperforming. i s I'd say outside of Kyrie and, and, and Horford there's not really too many guys right now that you immediately count on. Obviously Tatum is for his like he's only he just he just turned twenty and he's he's gonna be a high imp- impact player in this league, but you don't really count on that on that carrying over. I think I don't know, I think I think Boston's roster is a little bit overrated, which is also why I, I give Brad Stevens a lot more credit than I don't know. It's so hard with the boss, like with with the Celtics, because the idea is that everybody's everybody's so impressive. But if everybody's so impressive, then really, who, who's the impressive one? Yeah,
1: exactly.
3: Like, is, is Kyrie an MVP candidate, and Danny Ainge is an Executive of the Year candidate, and uh, and Brad Stevens is a Coach of the Year candidate? I I don't think you get to get to have all of those.
1: And Tatum's Rookie of the Year, you know? Oh Did yeah, you know he's yeah, of only twenty. Like,
3: I, know, I, haven't, I haven't heard that actually. <laughs>
1: Yeah, those guys. Yeah, there's, there's there's a lot of talk, but um, yeah, for sure. I mean, Casey's right up there, like uh, as as much as anybody else. And um, yeah, to be honest, yeah, if it does come down to the one seed, I feel like that's a pretty fair tiebreaker, all things considered. Um, but yeah, I mean, Casey's got a, a case as good as anybody. Um, and it, it's 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 nice that he's you know getting this kind of attention because like even I think part of it is on Raptors fans too. It's just like Dwayne Casey really hasn't had this much, like, smoke blown mm-hmm. his way ever before, and it's not like, okay, that should be the deciding factor at all, like, no one's feeling sorry for anybody here, but, mm-hmm. like, at the same time, like, you know, Stevens is kind of already mentioned, like, when you think of top coaches, you go, like, Pop, Carlisle, Spoh, um, and then Stevens, and yeah. Casey just doesn't really ever get up into that, like, top five list even, so mm-hmm. for him to be celebrated in this way it's, it's just it's just a nice change to have, but... I mean. It is good to
3: see. It is good to see. Another guy that should probably like, that we, that I forgot to mention is Mike D'Antoni, who won it last year. I don't know if they'll necessarily give it to him twice, but I mean, Houston's, Houston's the best team in the league right now. They added Chris Paul with relatively few problems, really. They, I mean, after that first, they had like one uneasy half against the Warriors in their opening night. Chris Paul gets hurt and then when he gets back, like right away they start clicking. He, DeAntoni, I think, has been able to change certain things about uh, about the way that he approaches basketball, especially putting more of a focus on the defensive end. I've read some some articles, and I I think um, like Jonathan Fagan, the Houston Chronicle, did like a lot of a lot of good work on their on their defensive changes and just DeAntoni's willingness to to dedicate practices to to things like that, which is just something that he wasn't really willing to do in the past. He's ceded a lot more ground to his players. They've made, they've made some adjustments to the starting lineup, just less minutes for Ryan Anderson, which just makes them so much more potent in the playoffs, I think, for them to like continue to, to be as destructive offensively and still not really have that, that defensive weakness. So he definitely, he definitely deserves, uh, to be, to, to be one of the front runners for that award. And on the other end, I think you see, sorry to keep rambling about the Coach of the Year award, but (laughs) on the other end, you're also seeing like the, the fringe candidates are like, Really, really, really on the fringe now. Like Spo is the guy that you mentioned, and I just don't like. Spo a great coach, but I mean, Miami's the eighth seed, and yes, they've had injuries, but yes, they, like they also don't rest anybody and they run heavy practices. So whose fault is that really? So it's just kind of like there's there's some guys that I I, I think I think the race is clarifying itself, but it's with that top three, I think it's just so hard to. Like, I, I would say it's probably DeAntoni. I just don't know if any, like, if they're going to give it to him two, two times in a row, especially with the way that Houston flamed out last year.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I also think, like, Houston runs a lot of isolation, which, like, of course, like, coaches have to allow you to do that. But, like, since so much of the offense is isolation, I feel like he's not getting the usual amount of credit for the way his teams run offense, which isn't necessarily fair. But, like, yeah, yeah. I don't really see it necessarily as dairy. Although, like, you know what? Bre- like, Brett Brown might actually – Get up in there. I think I re- I, I'm always really impressed by the Sixers. Like when I see them play, it's just like they will have stretches where they turn the ball over like seven times in three minutes, <laughs> and they'll lose a twenty point lead. Or like Embiid won't play, and they'll be trash.
3: But yeah, um, I honestly never know how to feel about their execution. Like I, defensively. I, defensively they're great I feel yeah. Like. yeah yeah especially especially lately i think they've caught a stride and like uh, even that that raptors game I, it terrified me because they're just like the perfect like long athletic matchup that doesn't necessarily trap you so that you can't make that the the decisions that are now becoming easy for the raptors but they do kind of put you in tough spots
1: yeah yeah mm. okay um another thing with the raptors is um i feel like it's nice having someone come like on the show from Um, like an outsider's perspective not saying you're an outsider but i mean like you know you're not like a diehard raptors fan
3: yes no 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 this is the most i've ever liked the raptors and i think i like them for more like philosophical reasons i just like what they're doing and the idea that you can actually change is very very alluring from the perspective of a of a writer i think so there's like just little things like that but yeah i've never really been a raptors fan okay
1: so then I feel like you have the proper perspective to answer something like this How do Raptors fans stand for the team that is admittedly very good right now without going too far? and what I mean by going too far is like yeah, we're gonna be in the finals we're gonna stop LeBron like what <laughs> we might even win the title I don't know um you know do you know what I mean because it's kind of a weird place like fans can't be like entirely happy as they should be based on like their point differential record and stuff.
3: Yeah, it's, it's weird. I mean, I think the fans are like kind of—they're already doing a pretty decent job of being fans that are like standing, but also not being crazy annoying because like there's already the built-in impulse to not get excited because we've seen what happens with this team in the SEMA playoffs. Yes. So I mean, it's a, there's already like an automatic uh, automatic correction going on there, I think. But at the same time, though, I mean, like if you're if you're a fan and your team is playing the best basketball you've ever seen them play as a franchise they're on on pace to break another franchise record in their in, in their total wins um they're probably going to i mean it looks like Boston two games back i mean there's still a lot of time but probably going to win their division they Really could go to the finals. A historical point differential for this team, as far at least as far as relative to other teams, like you should stand for them. This is like you're you're if you're a basketball fan, if you're a fan of anything, this is what you wait for. So I mean, just you know, dive in. Who cares? It's like we see we see every fan base, every successful team get obnoxious, and that's totally just that's just part of it.
1: That's good advice. That's good advice. I feel like because like I almost need that reassurance, and I feel like a lot of fans are the same way because it's like. Like, I got really excited about the Raptors last year. Like, they went like 14 and 7, like, to close the year with, like, just DeMar. And I'm like, all right, you add Kyle back to this mix. PJ Tucker's here to stop LeBron. Like, we're good. And then we weren't good. Like, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. It's, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's such a weird experience rooting for the Raptors. Like, cause, like, yes, everything is going great, but. Um, there is just in the back of your mind, I think it's because like the Raptors have run into Cleveland twice. So like you, we kind of have like a pretty firm idea of like what they'll look like. And, um, maybe, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the, the team has changed a little bit. So like, well, not a little bit, quite a bit actually. Um, so maybe it's different from that perspective, but, um, yeah, I mean, ultimately in my mind, it comes down to like LeBron runs spread, pick and roll and the Raptors have like no answers at all. Cause that's kind of unguardable. You push shooters around LeBron and maybe one guy that rolls so hard to the brim like Tristan Thompson, or I guess this year Larry Nance, it's just hard for anyone in the East to stack up with that, you know?
3: Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. I mean, there's certain things you can do defensively, especially with how much the, the, Raptors, uh, the Raptors switch. And I was also, I, he didn't do the best job, but I was like slightly impressed with how OG Ananobi defended LeBron the last time. Okay. They, they played the Cavs, although, I mean, that was, like, that was LeBron before he really started trying. So I think there's, there'll be certain things that they can do to, to, to be a bane in LeBron's existence, especially if they just, they just switch and switch and switch and hopefully force him to take some, take some j- tough jumpers. And I mean, Raptors three-point defense is also very good. That is so true. I think if, if there was a formula to be found for that, I think the Raptors would do a pretty good job of executing it. Um, I think the problems it kind of just become what what your offense is going to look like if you're going to have guys like Siakam and O.G. in the floor at the same time
2: mm.
3: against. I, guess, I mean, the Cavs aren't Cavs aren't exactly world beaters defensively, <laughs> probably fun to score, but yeah, you don't exactly <laughs> want him like you don't want him switched on Demar, and then Demar is on an island against him. So there's certain like there's obviously certain situations where it could go. Could go either way, but I mean, LeBron is LeBron is second total right now, and I th- I, th- I think he's second in minutes per game. Yeah, I'm he doesn't not, play I'm... for
1: Tibbs, so I mean, yeah.
3: Yeah, fair enough, fair enough, right? Like,
1: he's, yeah, he's going like one and make... two though. He's like right there with Jimmy Butler. I think Butler was st- is still leading the league in minutes, even though he's hurt, or minutes per game at least. Yeah.
3: Which is just its just so sad and impressive at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a story for another day. But, I mean, Ron is in his 15th season. We have seen him get worn out in the playoffs before because of things like this. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, if he takes his two-week break, which apparently they're not going to do this year, but if, if if he were to do that, then I think all bets are off for the Eastern Conference.
1: Man, if he takes his two-week break and then... Like, it's just
3: over. he <laughs>
1: comes to but... eight seed and the Raptors seed them <laughs> the first rounds... <laughs> no... <laughs> Yeah. Um, do, okay. Where do you honestly like? Where do you stand with Cleveland? Like, they're obviously they like they changed like they they shipped out like six like old dudes and then like brought in mm-hmm. four younger guys. But like their defense defensive rating before the break was one hundred nine point eight, which was twenty eighth in the league, and their defensive rating afterwards is now one hundred nine point seven. So zero point uh, one. That's pretty good for hundred possessions points. But yeah, they've lost four of the last six. Um, to the Wizards, the Spurs, the Sixers, and the Nuggets. Like, do you do you like? How do you feel like this new Cleveland team looks like in terms of uh, what their capabilities are?
3: Well, my first is I think you just when you make that many changes with an older team,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and in the middle of the season or the late, later stretch of the season, you just have to allow for some time. I think we're seeing the same thing with the Pistons right now, although the Pistons kind of got worse. Well anyway. Yeah, that's another story another story <laughs> for another day. But um you know, I think they definitely need some more time. I mean on the face of on the face of it they obviously they, they won that deadline for themselves. They got rid of they got rid of two contracts that were not playing well for them at all. And then they shipped Dwayne Wade to Miami. And I mean I think the bench is I, I think it's Despite all the stuff that's come out about about Wade's issues in the locker room,
2: mm-hmm.
3: I think the way that he ran that bench was very good. So yeah, they're kind of adjusting not only in one one lineup but both of them. So mm-hmm. some of this is to be expected. Some of it is just, I mean, I don't know. It's the Cavs; they just don't try. <laughs> just, yeah. There's just so much that you can't account for there. Like it's just it's just tough. So it's just a matter of like it's it's March now. They got to figure it out soon. Um. They still probably have twenty odd games to do it, so it's not like they're it's not like they're too short on time. But it is it is coming up to it, and it's it's really one of those things where I think it kind of gives the Raptors a perfect window because on one end you got Brad Stevens saying that that uh, Hayward's not going to be back this season, which I mean he maybe just is saying that, but I think he's probably serious. And then on the other end you got the Cavs still being a bit of a mess, and I think. They will be better and they will figure it out to some extent, mm-hmm. and they're definitely going to be—they're definitely better than they are, especially their defensive rating. So some of that will correct itself. Mm-hmm. They're not exactly a flip the switch team because there's a lot of guys that are young, so we're going to have to see it a little bit in the regular season. But I'm just not really ready to to, to judge them.
1: Are, are you worried at all? Like the fact that like it feels like LeBron's the only guy on that team that create offense for himself.
3: Well, that's forth,
1: kind of the thing, right? Team, right? Yeah, exactly. But I mean, yeah. like that's the parable. That's like the paradox with LeBron. Like, you, ob- he, he's, he's always the right answer for who to get the ball to because he's gonna make the best decision and give you the most opportunities to score like easy baskets. But at the same time, like if he's the only guy carrying it, then like I don't know that that formula just hasn't necessarily proven successful over the years. Like he's always when he's at his best, that's when there's like a Kyrie or like a, even a Dwayne Wade.
3: Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the like I think that's why again that's this two week break thing. Like they need to take it. It's like to me like that trade means that you are getting better, especially on the defensive end, Um and you're also doubling down on LeBron. Mm-hmm. You can't do that and then say, hey, our our star player who's in his 15th season, that has played in I think now seven straight finals, is now supposed to. Up his usage to a ridiculous degree, with a whole new set of teammates, and not get any rest, and somehow plow through an Eastern Conference that is much tougher than it's been in the past.
1: That sounds like Dan Gilbert's approach to labor, though. <laughs> so, <laughs> especially since LeBron's pretty much leaving. So. Fair. Fair. Um.
3: I don't know what to say. To that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, look, listen, if I was running the Cavs, I would definitely, like, let LeBron chill for a week. Like, they have, like, an upcoming six-game road trip, five of them on the West Coast. So, like, yeah, I'm going to just have to do a hard sit and just, like, just listen. Like, LeBron, we need you to go to Miami yeah. and do what you do down there and come back a new man with less hair. But um just the thing with that is also just, like, you know, it's tough for them to – punt on some of these games because they're not actually that far out like they're only three games up on Miami for eighth
3: that's true like, that's true I was just looking at that <laughs> right, right? Like, like, kinda... that's crazy yeah
1: like they're not gonna, they're not okay. I'm not saying that like Detroit's gonna make the playoffs instead of Cleveland or some shit like that. But. No,
3: no, but you can't also you can't punt on everything. Like your your yeah. your point stands, especially especially with the tougher. And the other thing is, they also need these reps with LeBron. Exactly. they haven't played with him. It's, it's it's a tough spot for them. There you go,
1: baby Raptors. This
3: year, <laughs> year. this
1: year, year, this is why we got go all
3: getting get, getting swept in the finals. Woo!
1: Honestly, we're putting a banner, be... we're putting a banner up for that for sure. Yeah.
3: yeah. I mean, that be you can't <sighs> be disappointed with that.
1: No, no, no. I'm I'm happy to be a footnote in history really. Like like mm-hmm. the Jazz basically. Like the Jazz are like they're not a rele- relevant franchise. Like they just, they just have like a lot of you know like very supportive fans, but like mm-hmm. their one moment
3: is they lost to MJ. Yeah, of- and hey, but at uh, the same time to their credit Malone and Stockton are known as a very, very iconic duo, despite the fact that they never never won a championship, so okay. there is something to be said of making the finals.
1: Exactly, and also the Raptors, you know, while they don't have as many points as Karl Malone, I think if you add up DeMar and Kyle like scoring, I don't think it comes close to Malone, but at <laughs> least they're not an <laughs> ultimate creep. Details,
3: like, details. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> Malone's like a straight-up creep, man. <laughs>
3: this is true. Yeah. I also read a story about him, like, three or four years ago that he, like, he has an estranged daughter that he just doesn't acknowledge, and she, mm. like, kind of came out publicly with it. Mm. Um, and like, yeah, so it's just, it's just, you know, anybody who wants to like, go look that up, go ahead.
1: Yeah,
3: well, there's a reason why Armor
1: doesn't get celebrated that much, man. No, he's kind of, yeah,
3: yeah, 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 yeah. Okay,
1: all right, um, <laughs> moving on, <then. laughs> yeah, moving on back to. Uh, just basketball, basketball players that
3: we like <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, aren't
3: the worst <laughs> hey look hey
1: look, listen the Raptors are generally speaking a team of likable people that's and decent people I would say which
3: yeah is, I, was, fair, nice. I was just thinking about think, I was thinking about who my favorite Raptor is and I couldn't decide um, I mean it's probably Fred but
1: Fred is very likable
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, but I mean I feel like this is like the first time in a while where like everybody I like every single Raptor
3: you yeah know, like, they're all yeah, likable they do. Yeah. Even JV. Oh, that's another. Well, no, JV JV's made the biggest turn, I think, because JV went from a guy to like that nobody. Well, not no, not that nobody liked him. He had a huge. He had a huge JV hive, as we. Oh yeah, he had a he had a hive. He had yeah. So I mean, not not that nobody liked him or anything like that, mm. but I mean, I think he's he's turned a lot of people around, including myself. Yeah. He's also just like. Like, I know most people, like, I think most of the media doesn't really like, uh, like, talking to him too much or, like, at least getting him in, him in scrums, which I totally understand. But, mm-hmm. like, fine talking to him is, like, he's just, like, this nice, goofy guy who, like, makes makes bad jokes sometimes. Which is, <laughs> like, that's endearing.
1: I feel like that's, like, a common trait of, like, pretty much the European players. Like, yeah, <laughs> they're like, like, they're all, they do like to make these kind of jokes. Um no, yeah, I, I honestly I feel I feel like I took a big L this season. I wrote like a big like J V doesn't fit the Raptors and it's just sad watching him. And then like from then on he's been ex- excellent. So
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. take credit yeah, That too,
3: happens. That, that's the worst, honestly. When you just like write the definitive like mm-hmm. take on a guy's I was like, JV. this guy's done. And then it just gets retweeted back to over and over again. Yeah, <laughs> so luckily you know, they haven't done that to me,
1: so I, I, I yeah. kind of regret bringing that. I might have to scrub that. I might have to pull a Jade and boss over that. But um, yeah. let's uh, let's talk about the Raptors coming up. They have four games upcoming. They they came off a four game like win streak over this this past week, perfect week. Um, did you like? What did you think of the Raptors this past week? Just generally.
3: I think they're. I mean, I think they're kind of bored, and they like they. I don't think they should be because there's they still like things that they have to figure out. And and actually, to their credit, they're they're starting to. But I was actually just thinking maybe the rappers are right now making like the ultimate chess move by by underperforming in these games so that they can get some clutch minutes and get the reps Mm. they need. Which that would be that would be galaxy brain of them. But yeah, I mean it's kind of. I mean, the Magic box score looks good, but that was like that was a thoroughly frustrating game to watch. So was the Hornets game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that was bad. Um, yeah, they were actually very similar games, those two. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Washington went win, that started off pretty poorly, but then I mean, the bench probably had one of the most impressive showings, right. and on national TV, no less, which is always which is always good, especially when you just recently wrote up at the bench, so you can. Retweet it over and over again so you can see my stuff in your feed twenty five times. I always yeah. like when that stuff happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it was just oh, like that, the Pistons win was was really good. But at the same time, the Pistons are just like they're just they're just so pathetic right now. Yo, <laughs> it's kind Pistons of hard. Are, <laughs>
1: they're so sad. <laughs> they're man. so
3: bad. I feel, it's depressing. It really is. Yo, so.
1: B- Blake Griffin is beefing with Jacaberto. Like you, nobody should beef with Jacaberto. They kind of look alike. Yes, yeah, but Jakob Proto is like the Taylor I Griffin. Mean, that has nothing Griffin, to like... do
3: with anything, but... <laughs> <laughs> He's Taylor
1: Griffin. <laughs> yeah. No, nah, Taylor like, Griffin's like way better
3: looking. Yeah. I thought it was overall, like, there was actually, like, there was definitely little things that you could take out of this week. I mean, it was oh, okay. really nice to actually see CJ get in with the starters yes. and to see his, like, especially especially in the Wizards game, a little bit more uh, a little bit more tonight as well just to to see him get in with the starters to see how that looks mm-hmm. um and just to see him playing well you know he he didn't have the best start of the season he's really finding his rhythm yeah. and this past week we actually i think we've actually seen him like really really find his way with that lineup and is actually like we're seeing more counters he had he dunked he dunked in traffic today yes. <laughs> and it was just like he had a pump fake and and, and a mid range or just little moves that we haven't really seen from from him this this season. And I think he's just it's just a result of him being able to touch the ball more mm-hmm. in in places where he's not necessarily being uh, being the most guarded guy, which is I mean it's it's good. You really need that stuff because he, like. It's it, it's a mix of both. You don't want to be overly scouted, but uh, I don't. Then again, I don't think the Raptors really run that risk with uh, with the amount of players they play. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you really you really do want to see what wrinkles come from uh, from from making little changes like that.
1: Well, I'm, they're going to be making more changes uh, throughout the week because they're still juggling this uh, small forward situation. The Raptors, yeah.
3: shout-outs to Malcolm Miller.
1: shouts to Malcolm Miller. Just a random dude who showed up, and he's already better than Norman Powell. That's that's good. good. It's good to to know. Um, The Raptors play four games this week. They play Tuesday at home against Atlanta, Wednesday on the road against Detroit, Friday at home against Houston. That's the big one, and then Sunday they play on the road in New York at 1 p.m., which is dicey because you know New York City uh, early starts. It's like the same thing, especially after
3: after like a big Friday game. Yeah. I could low-key
1: like that see- games. sorry, God, oh I was gonna say I, I could lowkey see like a two and two week, maybe, but uh what do you think?
3: No, I was actually thinking that because I think there's i mean a they're playing extremely bored right now, like mm-hmm. we we're like we were saying, they're just kind of i mean I guess it's fine, I mean, they've been playing on so many teams you you can't really just keep blowing teams out. that's just not how it works, yeah. Especially, like, with the way that they've played the Hornets, like, this past game. It was just kind of like, I mean, the Hornets at some point had to just stand up and say, hey, Raptors, we're not going to let you keep doing this to us. <laughs> so there's probably a level of that. And at the same time, if you beat up on a team twice this season, like, yeah, psychologically, you're just not going to get up for the third matchup. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's understandable. So, like, they're kind of running into a similar situation, playing the Pistons again. The Hawks are the worst team in the East right now. I'm pretty sure, although that that race is very very tight, as we, as everybody has been, moralizing about for the past uh, the past week or so. Um, so yeah, I mean, I can definitely see it happening, especially that one being a back to back, and then looking ahead to Houston being one of the biggest games of season. Ugh. And it, generally, I don't like to like I don't get like to get like overly psychological about this stuff. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it, it is a perfect storm for them to to have a disappointing week.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, that Houston game. I mean, the Houston Rockets are on a fifteen-game win streak.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. 15. Like. Yeah. Let's also not forget the fact that the like that, the Rockets are actually better than the Raptors, like in a in every objective way possible. And there's only really two teams that you you can say that about this season, and the Raptors are going to be running into one of them. So we have to we have to modulate for that as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, the only saving grace is that the Rockets are on a four-game win or four-game road trip. Uh, and this, the Raptors will be the third stop, but like, uh-huh. they're just rolling. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that's really like, they're just locked in, you know? Like, uh-huh. they yeah. really only had like one or two tough games throughout this stretch. They just like, they smack teams. That's it. And James yeah. Harden
3: makes highlights out of you. It's- yeah, yeah. And it's just kind of the perfect storm for the Raptors to, to fall apart defensively because, like you were saying earlier, the. The Rockets like to isolate a lot, and the Raptors like to switch a lot in their defense. The Rockets isolate very, very well when they get a switch that they like. So yeah. there's that as well. I mean, maybe there's a. The Raptors do have good defenders that they that they switch on, but there's also been times, especially this past week, they've made some switches that were very, very inad- inadvisable, and they're still figuring that out. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i probably I'm probably just chalking that game up as a loss for Toronto.
1: Yeah, especially for OG, like, up in the air. Cause, like,
3: yeah, because he did such a great job on Harden that time. Right. So, there's that as well. And there's just, I mean, he, the Rockets are also, like, they're not like the Warriors in that, like, they're going to come into a road trip in the East and not play to their best because the Rockets are a team that I think feels that they have something to prove and they execute on a nightly basis in a way that the Warriors are kind of just, like, a team that will just take their foot off the gas. The Rockets just just haven't really done that this season, so there's just not. I don't know. There's, it's, they're probably just gonna lose that game. I yeah. hope it's a good game,
1: but yeah, the, the Warriors feel like that like that gifted kid that like doesn't really try hard and still gets good like
3: mm-hmm.
1: grades. Whereas like the Rockets are like this very good student, like a very good like, academic student that mm-hmm. like tries their absolute. Like Chris Paul is like the ultimate try hard. Um, yeah. And yeah, they, and they do great. They're studying. They, they go to Kumon and stuff, but, and then ultimately the Warriors are just like, yeah, we'll try hard for like two weeks and we'll, 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 we'll beat you guys. And mm-hmm. yeah,
3: did you ever,
1: it. what's up? Did
3: you ever watch Gossip Girl?
1: I did not. No. Oh, okay. Well, don't well, no, make your analogy though. I feel like okay. there's a lot of Gossip Girl yeah, there's, listeners.
3: There's, there's a lot of, uh, that, Ven, that Venn diagram's pretty, it's got, it's got a lot of overlap the Raptors fans and the, and the Gossip Girl fans. For sure. Uh, I would say the Rockets are Blair Waldorf, and the the Warriors are Serena Vanderwoodson, and and anybody who watches the show will kind of get it. But basically, Serena kind of gets to just saunter throughout her life, and she's just like incredibly beautiful, and like just like act, like stumbles into opportunities. And Blair is like the the four point GPA, trying to get into into Yale, and like she's. She's not like charming or anything there's this there's this great <laughs> plot there's this great plot line there, and they're like they're both like they're like when I say Serena's beautiful i mean they're both they're both beautiful, but right. like you know in in the on the scale at which uh at which c w dramas run mm-hmm. serena is, is, is like a 10, which is just, I mean, oh, why am I, oh my God, why, we No, sh- no, this is peak blogger, this is, this is, this is I'm, I am, I am ranking the way that women look right now, oh, this is so problematic, well, I And mean, there's, no one's gonna come after me for it, though, okay. so it's fine, yeah. um, <laughs> anyway, so there's this great, there's this great plot where, um, Blair, like, just keeps angling for, for this interview with, uh, with the dean of yale or somebody who's very very high up at Yale, and like serena just like walks by and like charms his pants off and doesn't even try to and then suddenly she's like hey maybe i kind of want to go to yale too and she never really did before and it was this whole thing that's that is the warriors and the rockets anyways let's move on
1: no that was that was (laughs) that was excellent and um, on that note we're gonna take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll take more twitter questions hopefully about gossip girl
0: I'm Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Injury Lawyers, and you know what makes me mad? When insurance companies deny your
1: claim for no good reason. That's why people call me. I'm the lawyer insurance companies don't want to deal with. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Welcome back to the second half of the show. Still here with Sirut. Um I was, I subbed in for your basketball team last week.
3: Oh, you did? Okay. Yes. Okay.
1: Where okay. I, I would Did like to. Did we win? Yes. That's, that, okay. I, Good job. Yep. Yep. I, um, mm-hmm. I, I mostly fouled. They had, they had like this really big dude on their side. Like he was like 260, maybe like six five, two sixty. 260. Like he wore construction. Like, and he had like a pretty decent game. Like he could shoot it a little bit. He was like obviously strong inside. So like mm-hmm. that was pretty much my job was just basically be Chuck Hayes and like slow down this post up guy. Um, but, um. Anyway, my question was uh, about your basketball team. Is um, who do you think is the best player on your basketball team? Might, oh, might be an awkward question.
3: Uh, it is a little bit awkward. Um,
1: it's definitely not harsh. Can we can we can we agree on that? Harsh is just a hustle guy. He,
3: he he He's not just a hustle guy though. Like he, he like he's got some drive and kick in his game. Okay, hits the occasional jumper.
1: Yeah, he's Siakam. He's
3: also like he's yeah like he like when you say hustle guy like that's kind of like he's the Siakam of of this league. So I mean he's got he's got hustle skills. Wow. So I wow. mean I'm not the I'm ladder, not, the slider backfired. Too... I'm gonna I'm not gonna have to cut <laughs> that out of the podcast. <laughs> um, I w- I wouldn't be so quick to to dismiss him. Um, like I mean it's probably Daniel, but I just don't want to give him that satisfaction. Mm-hmm.
1: Especially also since just, like he's only like a micro guy, right? Like sometimes he's cold.
3: Yeah, sometimes he's incredibly cold. He's also like, I always I always tell him he's like Chris ball. and okay. that like he's just like incredibly serious. Sometimes he he picks up. <laughs> the... Sometimes he'll just pick up the basketball in the in the middle of a pick and roll, so he can like tell you what you're doing wrong. Which is just first of all, that's really 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 bad as, as a general move. You just don't want to pick up your dribble. And then, like, he's, he's pointing it out as, like, the defense is looking at It, it just seems like you can find a better time to do
1: that. <laughs> I'm just imagining, like, uh, Dan Reynolds, like, screaming at Sasha <laughs> to, like, throw the blade up, up, like, Chris Paul did to DeAndre that time.
3: Yeah, kind of will. Uh, oftentimes, I do feel like Sasha catches a lot of the brunt, like, just for not, like, not, not rolling. Um, mm-hmm. Blake will catch it from time to time. I naturally, just at five, five, six, um, not much of a pick and roll player, so I I don't catch too much of it. You're a good shooter. Um thank you. Yeah. I I am a willing shooter, that is for sure.
1: That's part of being a
3: good shooter mm-hmm. a, Yeah. <laughs> this is true. Um, so I, I generally don't run into it run run into it too much. Um I don't know, it's it's funny because his personality just completely shifts when he's uh when he's on the court. Mm-hmm. It's like Yeah, for sure. Like Daniel pregame prior to a Raptors game is like the guy that I eat pizza with and we talk about movies,
2: mm-hmm. and
3: he's like incredibly nice and yeah. we just like go up and watch the game because we're both like in the in the gondola and mm-hmm. you know sometimes I'll we'll just troll him because I'm not a Raptors fan he is so you know when things are happening that aren't going his way maybe that's just his revenge right I'll just be like yeah well I'm just gonna I'm just gonna beat back at you on the court Um so yeah it's, it's really interesting to to see the way that people. Uh, People shift their in their personalities when they're when on and off the court. I think I do that a little bit too i get very i get like really into it like i won't really uh i won't really talk about anything like uh like casual on the bench or anything I'm just like in the game True. which is i think is uh not really what what I'm like when i'm when I'm not on a court so that stuff is always fun yeah but yeah, I guess I will. I will give it to Daniel, and hopefully he will never listen to this podcast. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> no, it's okay. I've got a side chat with him. I'll just let, I'll let him know. I'll let
3: him know. Uh, uh. <laughs>
1: um, no, but, I mean, Dan is pretty good. He's no, he's, pretty he, is good. Good. he yeah, is good. He's got a really good below-the-rim game. I mean, it's not like it's pick-up basketball. No one's like, gotten above-the-rim game, but, like, right. yeah. He's no, has that, got, like, floaters. And, that
3: floater is incredible.
1: It's got crazy he, arc.
3: He, he, and he gets it off so quickly too. Like, you just, like he just, just, he's just not in any sort of shooting motion. And he gets off this incredibly high arcing floater that that goes in. So yeah. it's a it's a very good it's a very important skill for point guard to have. Yeah. For sure. One that one that uh, Norman Powell could uh, could learn from. Maybe uh. maybe Daniel should be Norman Powell's uh, skills coach.
1: That's how far <laughs> Norman Powell has fallen. That he needs to get basketball advice from a blogger. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah, that was pretty much along the lines of our first question, is uh, from Karn Sharma, and we can rapid fire through these because there's like way too many, and I gotta have dinner. Um, but um, yeah, thoughts on Malcolm Miller starting over Norm? What's Norm even saying?
3: Yeah, I don't know. It was kind of weird. Um, I I don't get that to be honest. It's I feel like you should just give that start to Norm because his confidence is already shot. Yeah. So I mean it's not like he did anything too. I think he went o for whatever for, for this game. He
1: went o for 3 and 4 minutes, which is okay, just spectacular. Yeah. <laughs>
3: just and I mean there were open shots or good shots, yes, he just exactly. wasn't hitting them. Yeah. And I think I think maybe if he played more minutes with the starters, he would get more into into a rhythm and maybe if he was like coming off the bench for a D-leaguer, he would feel better about himself, but yeah. I don't know. What's you even know? the upside, I don't really there, know you know? Yeah, yeah, although at the same time though like Miller is a very good shooter and Okay. You know, maybe there's something there.
1: Okay. Damn. They do need an answer. They do need an answer. And, I mean,
3: Miller's, like, he's, he's definitely too, he he's hes too uh, small. I mean, and also, Batum was just such a bad matchup for him, just as far as getting killed on screens for and then having to go up against a guy who excels in the post and is also, like, a good shooter and is much taller than him. It just was a tough matchup for him, I thought. But, I mean, we know the guy can shoot. He's going to work. He's... he's like, I don't know, I, I don't know too much about Miller, but, like, it seems like he could have the makings of of something, especially on this team, where, hey, we're not putting a ceiling on anybody on this team. That is a lesson right. we've learned. That's right. So, you know, I guess maybe let like, you know, throw him in there, see what happens. And, I mean, at the same time, let's say, like, Miller had two open threes he's a good shooter. If he had hit those threes, maybe we'd be praising that move right now. Yeah, exactly. So.
1: Yeah. Um, I think you just got to trust him in new with Norm at this point, like... Like they pretty much done everything else. They, they put yeah, him in all have. sorts of scenarios, and he just hasn't really latched on. He basically the one of the problems with Norm, I feel like, is that like he loves dribbling the basketball, and you're not really allowed to dribble the basketball much in this in this offense. Like, yeah. there, there still is a lot of Demar dribbling and whatever, but it's mm-hmm. not like anyone holds the ball for like ten seconds to get it like two screens. And goes to the basket anymore. That, that was a lot of what they did last year, and they just don't do that as much as year.
3: But I don't know, I think there is like a reasonable amount of dribbling. Like, you always see OG attacking closeouts. Pascal is handling the ball yeah. like way more than anybody really expected him to. It's more, it's more so it has to be meaningful. You can't be yeah, that's true. just, you know, taking it back and forth or or making sideways moves. And not to even, I mean, I don't know, it's not, it's not even, Norm should fit. He should fit. It. He should fit. Because it's not even like I say that, and then I think Norman doesn't even really do that. He generally attacks attacks closeouts, mm-hmm. especially when he's when he's playing with the starters. It's not like he's overly ball dominant. But then Norman's still moments.
1: On him, Nobody's closing on, on yeah, him. He
3: can't hit. well, he he did get like he was like this is another continent shot moment. Like I can't remember who it was, but somebody closed out on him this game that he, he drove and he had like one of the weirdest awkward floater banker things that I've ever seen. That's just straight up like a lack of reps, like hesitation, mm-hmm. not really knowing what you're gonna do because I mean that's not a hard shot and even if it was to miss it should have missed in a different sort of way.
2: Right.
3: So just oh, maybe he just I think he just needs more reps. I mean we've seen this we we know that Norm has has talent. He's explosive. Mm-hmm. He can be very good defender. He is been an ice in his veins sort of guy, which kind of makes it even more concerning that he is struggling this way. You think like if anybody on the team, like if you're, you're going to say last year, who could like handle the m- most shit mentally? Like you'd probably say Norm.
1: Yeah, for sure.
3: So I don't know. We'll see. I I can't imagine he's he's thrilled with uh no with his place in the rotation right now. But I mean, he has an opportunity, and he's had an opportunity this week, and he hasn't shown much for it. So yeah. Again, you can't really blame Casey for going the other way if you think about it that way. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's, I don't know. I, I've just said so many, I've, I feel like I've been saying the same thing about Norm. And like I have no answers. I don't think anyone really has the answer.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh, moving on then from Marcelo. Uh, is this the best Raptors we've ever seen? I'm assuming this is the best Raptors team. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Especially of this era. Like, this is easily better than 2016 when they went to the Eastern Conference Finals.
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. It's not close. Like, I, I can't speak to any prior eras, but, yeah. Like, as far as the Lowry era goes, this was definitely the best team.
1: Yeah, I mean, this one doesn't include, this rotation doesn't include Luis Scola oh. or Jason Thompson, so we're we good. We're good on that. <laughs>
3: That's true. I miss I Scola. Miss yeah, yeah. Miss scola. Sc- scola starting any rational amount of games.
1: I mean, yeah, listen, I, um, scola had like some memorable moments that will always be with me like one time he started like six of six against like the 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 clippers on the road and, like he was single-handedly outplaying deandre and Blake. <laughs> it was so weird <laughs> um but yeah scola good man i think he's playing in china now so get, Is he? get, oh, good. get your money man
3: oh good yeah, for him just keep going just probably just loves basketball
1: yeah oh. exactly He's gonna be in a. Overt- he? he doesn't need to
3: keep doing this. He's gonna be in a. Wide, like- <laughs> yeah, he will be. yeah, we should uh, we should recruit him.
1: Yeah, probably. Easily, will be your best player. Sorry, Dan.
3: And he's thirty-seven. Like he has no reason to to be going out somewhere else. It's good. It's awesome. Someone you don't just- want Dan. Oh. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> he's not.
1: He's not thirty-seven. He's not thirty-seven.
3: <laughs> I was talking about school. Yeah. I think mean, that's a European thing. I think they like basketball more than um Jesus.
2: I mean, he's I think they continue. But, I mean, yeah, like, yeah. Like,
3: yeah, I mean sorry, an international thing. There's there's a commercial level to this game that I think sucks the, the love out of it for some guys. But it's not all guys, but yeah. I think it's it's just different coming up from, from other places. At least that's one of my theories for why this why the Spurs continue to, to be so good.
1: Mm. Um, there's a lot of these questions we have covered. Um, okay, how, how about this in, from Felix? In a potential Seattle expansion draft, who would the Raptors protect, and who would Seattle end up picking?
3: Okay, how many guys? How many guys do they get to protect?
1: Let's say they get to protect four.
3: I feel like four is okay. fair.
1: Like if you could take the fifth best player from every single team, that's a decent place to start a franchise. Plus, you get the first pick Perfect. or something. Yeah. Like that's pretty wow. much like the Phoenix Suns.
3: <laughs> this a really tough question. Um, well, okay, Demar and Kyle. Let's yeah, just get that over with. I, you um, know what?
1: I feel like you might not even need to protect Kyle because if you're starting a Seattle franchise, why are you taking Kyle Lowry? Oh
3: yeah, that's actually a good point.
1: You know, well, I mean, like will Memphis think... protect like Marcus All, it's kind of like the same thing, although not really. Oh well,
3: yeah, that... mm-hmm. like. Yeah, it was mem- like who else are they going to protect? Ben McLaughlin. But... <laughs> yeah, I get what you are saying. It. Though Raptors actually have legitimate considerations if they weren't weren't yeah. to protect Lowry. Um, uh, I think I'd probably put Siakam next. I think he's Toronto's best prospect. Although mm-hmm. uh, uh, this is this is a really tough question.
1: Yeah. Probably like OG. OG.
3: Yeah. Probably needs to, to be protected. Yeah. 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 You'd have to protect OG if you're like he'd be he'd probably be the guy they picked if if he wasn't protected. Mm-hmm. So like OG and Siakam both actually. I think if if you protect OG and don't protect Siakam, then I think they pick Siakam. Um, I don't know. This Lowry question is kind of interesting. Like, would they would they take him? He is he's thirty one, but he's also an all star. Yeah. And can you really say no to an All-Star as a as a franchise that's, that's just kind of coming into its own? I think it also, I mean, there's also many factors as far as, like, who they have to that point. But, true. yeah, I mean, it's hard. I get what you're saying, but, yeah, I think it'd be hard to... Would Lowry's contract go with him?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so.
3: Okay, then I think, yeah, then I think maybe you don't need to protect Lowry. mm and then I guess if – I don't I think it's just such a – it's such a marginal decision to to not protect Lowry so you can – like, who do you
1: – Yeah, you're not risking losing Lowry to keep Yak a Or not Yak a yeah. but, like, um, yeah, Yak or Delon or even, like, Fred, like – Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I think I would just go with Lowry, like, as much as I like all of those guys. It's kind of – you can lose one of them, yeah. and the thing is, like, you you are gonna lose one of them. So then you have to first decide like which one of those three do you value the most. That's already a hard hard decision. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I think you just gotta go with Lowry.
1: Okay. Um, okay. Some of these questions are hilarious. Um, we'll go we'll go with this one. This one's just for me. Better. Well, I mean, I can, maybe it's for you too. Better Somali C J Miles or Lou Will. I don't know about CJ Miles' Somali. I feel like Lou Will is definitely the captain there still. Also, JV hive the man's an apo- a full apology from Will. Um, yes, yeah. Uh, it was regrettable that I wrote that piece at the time. Things looked very bleak for JV after he was, like, benched in that Indiana game after losing that Knicks game. But, you know, JV has really picked it up, and he's made a lot of improvements. And I'm if he was doing this all along, I would be thrilled. And right now I am currently thrilled with JV because he looks – like, I don't know. It's all of a sudden the Raptors have four, like, good bigs. Like, you know, is a good big. Serge is, uh, like, Serge is up and down. It's just like JV. Um, but, like, he's good. JV's been good. Siakam's been consistently good. And Proto when he's not in foul trouble, is great. So it, it's just nice to have a, a dynamic front court because for the longest time, the Raptors were relying on, like, you know, Patrick Patterson to be confident and hit threes, <laughs> which you'll – yeah, I mean, we all we all know how that goes. So, um, this one I think is for both of us from DM. Uh, what are your some? What are some of your go-to podcasts?
3: Ooh, okay. Um, I'm gonna pull my mine up, actually.
1: Um, what do you use for podcasting? My,
3: uh, I I use iTunes, and I really like I use like the the app that they give you. Okay. And I shouldn't I should I should switch something because especially since I made their update, like it's it's really bad. Um. Okay, I like to like I'd say for basketball obviously I'm a big fan of the basketball friends, which I no semi semi uh go on. I mean that, what was that mean? Wow. uh so I'm mean, gonna I go with them. Mm-hmm. Uh the open floor, even though Ben Gulliver hates hates DeMar DeRozan and has now doubled down on it. Honestly, the I just ben love Gulliver that. That's like that's like just it's just the best basketball podcast right now. It's yeah. just so fun the way that Sharp and him play off each other and the chemistry they have and they've built like open floor globe, their own little world. It's uh it's really fun. It's a really fun podcast to listen to. i w I'm always I always have a smile on my face when I open, when I refresh my app and I and I see that they have a new web so and they put out a lot of episodes too, which is which is another thing you have to consider. Mm-hmm. The quantity and quality is strong and they it's both like twice a week, right? Oh, I think so, yeah. yeah. It feels
1: like it. feels like it. Okay. Yeah, those are good okay. recommendations. Those are good recommendations. mm mm-hmm. um, Yeah, I mean, in terms of basketball, like, those are two of the best ones currently. Like, honestly, I just, like, I have an issue with, like, basketball podcasts that are, like, super dry, like, super technical. Um, it's just, like, it's, it's just not for me. And I feel like, um, you know, if you want that kind of stuff, like, they're... Mm-hmm are like like downtown podcast downtown basketball is like an objectively very good technical podcast because they go through so much film and so much detail and you know everything everything is like very much down to the minutia of like caps uh (laughs) how people guard screens like everything It's, Mm -hmm. it's really really detailed but it's just like it's hard for some of those podcasts to like entertain you in a way that like you know something more casual like uh like the the Jalen Rose and, and Dave Jacoby podcast, like that. That's like more like freestyle and like just like mm-hmm. riffing and like you know they might get some facts wrong, but they're they're more entertaining to listen to. So, yeah, I mean Open Floor is really good. Uh, of course, like you know, Basketball Friends is great.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, late
3: shout-out. also. I'm gonna have to do a late shoutout to to Hilsa of Strauss.
1: House of Strauss.
3: Hashtag hire Ethan. Um, How is he still free? There's really. Um, stuff
1: <laughs> okay
3: all right never mind <laughs> well actually i don't like really know but i mean i think everybody who got who got laid off was yeah. on a con- I, yeah I, yeah uh anyway there's like so yeah. there's, there's there's no circumstances, of, circumstances, yeah. there's no there's no consistency with any right. of like with, with when these episodes come out but They've they've been really good. He did a podcast on adrenaline, which was one of my favorite sports podcasts of the year. Right. It was really good. And then he recently did one where he Oh, this is this has got some real like sports and Toronto and politics, uh politics, uh the Venn diagram just comes together here because he went to a Jordan Peterson lecture with Andrew Boga and then they talked about sports and politics. Mm. So there was there was I mean that was a really interesting episode. Mm. Um
1: Talking to the deep south. I mean, he could have a career in the NY Times after this. No, Who? What? <laughs> Nothing. What? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Like, Just the um, the like Bogut being.
3: Oh yeah. Bog no, Bogut was...
1: being Bogut. I don't think Bogut's just like controversial. Like he likes yeah. kind of like the breaking convention, I feel like that. That's yeah, the best it's also
3: Bogut, like he it. also has like the most like unmistakably annoying centrist stance which is like there's no problem with being a centrist but he's like one of those centrists that like doesn't realize that he's also like digging in his heels and taking a political position and also being very tribal and cool. just thinks that it like there's like a brand of that that that, that centrism that, that, that thinks that because they're they're not taking a side with the right or, or the left that they are thinking independently but they all just have their same pundits that they go to and listen to and repeat ad nauseum.
2: Anyways.
3: How's the Strauss? Listen to yeah, Support sorry. Ethan. <laughs> it's support very Ethan good. Mm-hmm. Strauss. Yes. Um,
1: yeah, non-basketball. I would, I would, uh, I would put Throw still processing out there. It's, it's really good. Yeah, yeah.
3: It's yeah. a really good podcast.
1: Yeah, really well produced. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like two very engaging uh, podcasters. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, last question. We'll race through this one from Mark, who essentially asks, like, what's the Raptors' um, easiest path? and the diff- most difficult path um, to the playoffs or through the playoffs. Um, I think we'll probably just focus on the first round because, like, it's the middle of the the pack is so jumbled. Although even, like, even the 7th, 8th seed, like, I feel like they can still move up to 4th and even 3rd. But um, if if you were the Raptors, which which team would you least like to face in the first round?
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, Philadelphia.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. Philadelphia or Milwaukee, I feel like that's the,
3: the question there. I feel okay with Milwaukee just because I think that when, when when you have those teams that have like the one star he's very very ball dominant mm. and a whole bunch of other guys that you you, know, you kind of shut down if if you don't really close out on them. Middleton Middleton's been playing really well lately, but mm-hmm. there's just there's a lot of strain on Giannis right now, especially since uh since Kid got fired. Yeah. I think they're they're obviously much better since I don't, I don't now they're on the now they're on a losing streak. So. Oh,
1: they did beat Philadelphia today. Which is, you know, something important, really.
3: Yeah, it is. It yeah. is. So, I mean, they're. Wait, did they? That it? game just. Wait, yeah, I was. I'm gonna have to. Yeah. Oh no, yeah, Milwaukee
1: one eighteen one ten.
3: But Okay. All right. Okay. I'll take the word for it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like they, I, They're better since um, they're not a fun first round matchup, and you don't really. You don't really want to up in a situation where you don't have the best player on the floor, but I think the Raptors solved them last year. I think they can solve them this year. Mm-hmm. They're much more well suited to solve them. I think a lot of the anxiety the Raptors fan base is having, having about first round matchups. Like we keep hearing, like there's there's not there is not a single first round matchup that that Raptors fans want right now. Like they don't want Miami, they don't want Washington, they don't want Philly. Um, I think a lot of that just comes down to the franchise's anxiety about the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they should handle pretty much anybody they run into in the first round.
1: I mean, I'm hoping for Indiana. That's probably the best one. But Miami's not that bad. Like, Miami just can't score. Like, they, they'll defend the shit out of you, but, like, they just can't score at all. Like, who- Yeah. Yeah.
3: I think Miami's going to be incredibly scoutable in the playoffs.
1: Yeah. For sure, because so much of what they do is like system based. Because like they don't really have like the game changing talent that like Giannis is or Embiid is or even Ben Simmons is. Like, mm-hmm. who's the best player in Miami? Like Dragic. Yeah. Eh. You'll live with him getting you like giving up scoring twenty points, getting five assists. It's it's like yeah, you can thanks. shut down everyone else.
3: That's fine as yeah. long as as long as Wade doesn't kill the Raptors.
1: <laughs> I mean, yo, listen. If Dwayne Wade has one or two games, it's it's fine. But ultimately. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. Like, it's, it's just yeah, like I don't really I don't really worry about Miami even though they've like they've played well with against the Raptors in the regular season, but no. I mean, one of those games Lowry wasn't even playing and it was just like it was just like like ugliest Raptors game of the season. Yeah. So, it's just not one that I'm too worried about. I w- I worry about Philly way more.
1: Yeah, Philly. Cuz I far.
3: think yeah.
1: Okay. All right. See you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> where can we, just people, have, yeah. we just have
3: such great chemistry, I think. Uh, <laughs> Skype, calls are, Skype calls are tough. Skype calls they are. are. Tough. Um, they are hard,
1: yeah. Where can people find you and uh, your excellent work?
3: Um, For the most part, SB Nation. I do a weekly column there. For yeah. the Raptors stuff, I do a weekly column at The Athletic, to sure. which everybody should subscribe because they are putting out Excellent work. Um, and then for fan sided for general general NBA stuff, every so often, usually usually twice a month. And my Twitter for me spamming out the rest of the stuff that that comes out. I can't. I, there's no really no, no order for anything else.
1: True. Um, yeah, I mean the Twitter is good for other things too. It's not just spam. It's like. Twenty five percent spam, but like that, you live with that for anybody that mm-hmm. you know, makes a living off people reading your stuff. So um, definitely read and follow all of Cedar's work. Anyway, thank you to everyone for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week.
0: Why do millions of Americans choose to sleep on Bolin branch sheets? Is it the one hundred percent organic cotton? Is it that they get softer and softer over time? Customers can't stop raving about these sheets, and there's no better time to try them for yourself or give them to someone you love. Right now, Bolin & Branch is offering their best deals of the year, and you can get their incredibly soft sheets at incredibly low prices. Just go to BolinBranch.com to shop their best deals today. That's B-O-L-L and Branch.com today. See site for details. Why do millions of Americans choose to sleep on Bolland Branch sheets? Is it the 100% organic cotton? Is it that they get softer and softer over time? Customers can't stop raving about these sheets, and there's no better time to try them for yourself or give them to someone you love. Right now, Bolland Branch is offering their best deals of the year, and you can get their incredibly soft sheets at incredibly low prices. Just go to Bolandbranch.com to shop their best deals today. That's B-O-L-L-N branch.com today. See site for details.